This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 24, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. With recent elections in Europe, it appears populism of one sort or another is gaining ground. How much should these events worry fans of free markets and limited government? Alberto Mingardi is Director General of the Instituto Bruno Leone in Milan, Italy, and an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. We spoke about the rise of populism and anti-liberal sentiment in Europe. It's rare for uh, a whole lot of international news to really break through to American audiences, but the uh, violence in Catalonia over this independence vote certainly uh, galvanized a lot of support for Catalonians given how it seems very ham-fisted how the government went about dealing with this independence vote. Can you give us some perspective from uh, being in that region? Well, I certainly agree with you. The government has been extremely strong in its response. And uh, this has started a few years ago, actually, when Catalonia has first approved a new statute of autonomy for the region. Rajoy was then prime minister, and he wanted to crack Catalonians down. It's been his policy for quite a while. Rajoy, Mr. Rajoy, he's a prime minister that comes out of the Spanish popular party, so the right-wing Christian Democrats, and he's a very capable politician. I mean, he's been in parliament eh, since the year I was born, so quite a while. At the same time, he faced a very difficult political situation. He's clearly not, you know, one of those prime ministers that may inspire um, following by the masses. He's a rather gray, rather pale figure. His basic policy has been muddling through the financial crisis, which he did successfully. He also promoted a good uh, labor law reform that actually helped Spain in, in getting back on track. Now, Spain is one of the few countries in Europe that had positive growth, a growth of something like 3% a year, which is clearly very good by contemporary European standards. But his political situation has been quite precarious. In particular, in Spain, Podemos, which is a populist party, of the left-wing kind, so to say, has been on the rise for quite a while. Uh, They reached a very sizable uh, consensus, roughly speaking, one-third of the electorate. And Rao's answer to that was building consensus through nationalism uh, by appealing to people who want Spain to stay united no matter what. And therefore, he cracked down on Catalonians for, for this reason. Now, the Catalonian secessionist movement uh, is in itself um, a strange animal. I mean, lots of classical liberals have been very critical of that because there are plenty of nationalist elements, nationalist in the old bad sense. Uh, at the very same time, one of the main reasons the Catalonians want to secede from Madrid uh, is purely economical. I mean, they've been paying far more taxes than what they got out of the national government for quite a while. At the same time, I think it needs to be stressed that they ideally would like to secede from Spain, but stay in the European Union, stay uh, in NATO, stay in the Euro. So uh, they don't want just to get out 
uh, of Spain and uh, built up their little nationalist utopia. I think it's a very uh, it's a very interesting issue, particularly for the survival of the European Union in the medium term. Do you think that where do you think that's headed? Uh, well, so far Rajoy has been much better political player um, than the secessionist. He cracked them down. Um, you know those pictures of the policemen basically trying to impede people to go vote uh, clearly made a splash uh, in the international press. But at the very same time, in the aftermath of the referendum, uh, Roy played his cards much better. The king of Spain uh, came out very strongly in favor of the government. Um, several demonstrations of civil society that do not want to leave um, Madrid, that they don't want to leave Spain, have been organized. And, which is the most important thing, uh, Rajoy succeeded in getting backed by other European governments. Particularly Mr. Macron in France has argued that it's not a matter of interest for the European Union. Now, it is clearly true that there is no right to self-determination in European treaties. So, in a way, Europe is a cartel of nation states, and these nation states clearly uh, are supporting each other. But at the very same time, if you think about you know, the principle of subsidiarity, for example, uh, which ought to be one of the key principles of the European Union and was hailed as such uh, by European founding fathers, well, the principle of subsidiarity clearly implies devolution both ways. Something ought to be done uh, at the European level, and you actually have very little legitimacy, very little popular support for devolving power up. But something ought to be done at the local level, you know, level of governments that are not necessarily uh, the old nation state. I think that in this phase, if the European Union fails somehow to support uh, this sort of local secessionism, secessionist ethos, uh, which is starting in Catalonia, but may very soon be uh, copied somewhere else in Europe, well, I think the European Union is jeopardizing its own future because if the game is the nation state or the European super state, invariably people will support the nation state just because it's the devil they know. There is a lot of concern about this uh, new party that recently gained representation in the German Parliament, AFD, Alternatives for Deutschland. Deutschland. Um, they've been compared to the Third Reich. They've been uh, – some of their marketing was, was very, uh, very ugly uh, leading up to the election. But uh, you argue that maybe people shouldn't be worried quite as much and that uh, these folks don't represent – to the, to some, I mean, they're not liberals. <laughs> you know, they're not they're Certainly not not. Uh, not classical liberals in any sense. But uh, but they don't represent quite the threat that that has been portrayed. Well, if if we look at different European states this day, and we care about stability, uh, as I suppose most Americans will do. I mean, not necessarily care about what is happening in Europe, but care that Europe stays stable and doesn't represent a threat uh, for global stability. Well, I won't be particularly worried about Germany. What's happening in Germany is, quite frankly, the soft landing of a political story. It's the end of a political cycle. Uh, Mrs. Merkel won election again. 
Uh, it's the fourth time. So she has been around for quite a while. She has been a tremendously successful politician by all standard. Um, she's clearly not a classical liberal either. I mean, she's a Christian Democrat who cares basically at keeping Europe together, who cares and, you know, muddling through in a good sense. I mean, avoiding conflict uh, at the European level. And she's been given quite a lot of sympathy and consensus by Germans for quite a while. Now, this time... Uh, she got less votes than the other time when it comes to percentage. She got 33%. She lost uh, some supporters to the Liberal Party, which got back in Parliament. And clearly, she lost some supporters to the right. Uh, this new right-wing party is clearly a worrisome phenomenon insofar as you think that Germany never had anything like that clearly after the war for obvious reason. It's a party which is fooled by anxiety about immigration. Uh, it's a party which is fooled by um, the growing understanding on the part of Germans um, that they're going to be asked to pay the bill for other states in the European Union. Um, so, per se, I mean, is signaling uh, some problems uh, perceived as such by the German electorate. But when you look at the country per se, well, the country per se is going to be stable. A government is going to be formed. The government will be formed by um, the Christian Democrats, by the liberals, uh, by the Greens. Uh, the Greens in Germany are far saner than Greens are in other countries. I mean, they're not, as we say, tomatoes, green outside, red inside. There's a good chunk of, of the Green Party in Germany who fully understands the importance of a market economy and of a capitalist system. Uh, you know, it's going to be taking a while because everybody wanted to wait for uh, the lower Saxony election in order to have a better understanding of the balance of power within the coalition. But I think Germany is going to be staying stable and particularly if the liberals succeeds in bringing some constraints over the European Union and in going on with a sort of sane public finance um, line, I think good chances are uh, that the AFD phenomenon won't grow in the future. In your own country, uh, Italy, what is the state of populism there? Well, populism has been on the rise for quite a while. You know, I suppose that if you look backwards and you think about good old Benito Mussolini, you may argue that Italy has been the birthplace of populism. Uh, but now populism in Italy appears in a very peculiar form. Uh, there are countries where populism has been a right-wing phenomenon. So um, people are worried about immigration and, uh, and the sort of um, policy they like to see pursued is uh, quite frankly uh, not particularly realistic, but uh, you know, closed door, let's get back to a small society and so on and so forth. That is the case of Germany and that is the case of France, clearly. And up to a certain extent, it was the case of England with UKIP. Um, but not Spain. Not Spain. Spain is Podemos. Podemos is led by basically a Marxist, a Chavist Marxist. Uh, and Italy is even stranger. Uh, you know, we, we, we are great at political innovations that are dangerous. We, we had quite a few of those in the past. And so this time we have a party which is called the Five Star Movement uh, that was founded by a comedian, Mr. Beppe Grillo. Uh, 
he has been, you know, basically cashing on his tremendous popularity. The guy has been on TV forever. And he developed a party which is sort of a coalition of naysayers. It brings together people that don't like the status quo, that they don't like the establishment for very different reasons. Having said that, um, the political class within the party is clearly very, very left-wing. I mean, people that believe that uh, government investment is the solution for everything and government public spending is the solution for everything, which is really paradoxical in a country that has been spending so much for so long and still has plenty of problems like Italy. It's, it's a very interesting phenomenon because the political class of the party, I mean, the political leadership of the party has these kind of leanings. But the voters actually do not know that. Voters are voting for the five-star movement for a very simple reason. They are fed up with establishment party and they perceive that the system is corrupt. And this is true. This is true in Spain. This is true in Italy. This is true in many other jurisdictions. It's true in the U.S. in 2016. So you've got people that are rightly fed up. Um, the supply of, of options that, that the political system provides them with is what it is. Um, they cannot find anybody who's credible, and so they vote for people that just want to give the finger to the system. Now, what is uh, clearly uh, to be considered in the next few months is that there are good chances that the five-star movements may win elections in Italy. They've been polling around 30% for three years now steadily. Uh, Italy is heading uh, towards a pure proportional representation system. The voting law is being changed right now as we speak. In a pure proportional representation system, this guy will have, roughly speaking, 30%. And the Northern League, the, the party of the northern regions that used to be a pretty free market party, but unfortunately nowadays basically a close border, close society party, uh, is polling around 15%. So we may end up uh, with a grand coalition of the despicable, so to say, and they may have enough votes to attempt uh, to govern the country. That, that will be certainly worrisome uh, for everybody, particularly our European partners. But at the very same time, it will be interesting to see how a movement like the Five Star Movement, which is basically conceived and and uh, projected and designed uh, just for protest uh, may evolve into something else when it needs to take decision. That's a possibility. They got a new leader who's a very uh, articulate, presentable, votable, electable young man, but is pretty alone in, in you know in, in the role of the bourgeois face uh, of of the party. We'll we'll see. Uh, certainly that doesn't uh, give much hope for stability in the area. And that's, of course, particularly worrisome because Italy is a big country, it's a big market, uh, has a humongous public debt. So also for financial markets, there are good reason to worry. Alberto Mingardi is Director General of the Instituto Bruno Leone in Milan, Italy. He's also an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.